It is November, friends. What is going on with this weather, huh? Um, welcome. It is lovely to be here. Um, this, is our, this is our third time we've been here, second time to preach. Um, yeah, we, we, we live in the basin, so it's always a lovely... It is a long way. It's only 35 minutes, which is good. Um, but it's, it's really lovely to um, be praying for you ahead of time, to be um, meditating and, and thinking about what, what God would bring today. So um, thank you for letting me preach here again. It's lovely. But Christmas is coming very, very soon, and soon it will be amongst us. And there is always this feeling of expectation on one hand, but also there's a sense of um, the sameness. I know that's not a real word, but it is because I'm just going to use it. The sameness. Do you know what I mean by that? Like there's a sense of expectation. There is a story that it begins to, to be read once more, but there is also this sense of we know this story. We know some elements of this story. Um, for me, every year it is good to, it's a good thing to, to find the new hidden things within the story, um, but also see the things that have been unfolding for a long time, the things and the narratives that have been there the whole time that we see. And so as a church, um, you have spent a long time on Isaiah. Is that correct? Yeah. Is anybody sick of Isaiah yet? (laughs) It's actually, it is a very good book because, um, as was said before, um, the prophet proclaims the Messiah that is to come. It is a very beautiful book and it is helpful because... um, in knowing the beginning helps us to understand and comprehend the end. When we begin to understand, um, like it's, it's always helpful um, to begin from a place that informs us of what is to come because we end up at a place um, where we know the destination. And so today I'm, I'm going to lead us through what expectation means in the time of Jesus. Um, what did that look like at the time of Jesus' birth? And what were the conflicting narratives at play? And how does this story still speak to us in new and refreshing ways? And so I'm going to pray, and then I believe Israel is going to come up and he's going to read for us. Let's pray, shall we? Father, Son, and Spirit, we are, we are really grateful to be here today. Um, we are the body of Christ. We gather together um, in your name. Uh, We do not gather for accident, we do not gather because it is mundane, but we gather together um, as communion reminds us, uh, we remember the incarnation, we remember you Jesus and we love you, we are grateful for your word and so we gather because we are the body of Christ, we carry on this story. Um, So Father, as we we move into this season of Advent, um, may, may we see again a new image a new perspective, a new angle on what you are saying to us. In your name, thanks. Good morning, all. How are we? Thank you. Um, Our reading this morning is taken from John 1, from the story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God. In the beginning, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was light. All of all mankind, 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was the true light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. He was the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The world became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let us leave the um, his holy words here and let the Lord bless us for reading his holy words. Amen. The light is coming and it is coming from amongst us. The light was there in the beginning before all things began. The light made all things, all things begin. This burst of light that created life was the combination of rhythmical, free-flowing trinity that chose to make life in their image. This is the first incarnation of the universe, the incarnation of God's DNA on all creation. And we are connected to this story in a biological and spiritual way. Just as life began Just as life was given to us, we are gifted to go forth and produce life ourselves. And so Advent is a celebration of the second incarnation, the birth of the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And from amongst the people, the light comes forth. The people have been waiting a long, long time. Generation after generation have been expectantly waiting for God to enter his son into the world and save them and set them free. However, this incarnation would not come in the way that they expected or anticipated. For the people of Judea and Israel, from the time of Abraham all the way to Jesus, they had lived a troubled and difficult story. They, if they weren't in slavery, then they were in power. And if they weren't um, in power, then they were fighting for the lives with enemies at their gates. And if they weren't doing this, then they were under corrupt leaders. And then this, of course, would lead to them being in slavery again. And so there was this pendulum moving in their story between power and slavery. And so it is... Only right that all their prophetic visions and stories about the Messiah translate to a messianic king like David that would lead them and lead the people to a physical and self-governing freedom. And through this lens, the Messiah is from wealth and he's from power and royalty. You know, there is a physical prowess about him. He is, he's quick-tempered. He's like a warrior. He's a man that stands above all else. Someone who would, would finally kick the Romans, out of, uh, the, the, the Romans out of occupation. And yet, this is not God's plan. 
It is no mistake that God doesn't bring the Messiah from a place of highness. Rather, he brings intentionally the Messiah from a place of lowness. And contrary to the the gender stereotypes of heroism and power of their time, it is the strength, this is is beautiful, it is the strength of, of women, both young and old, who are the extraordinary main characters in the beginning of this story. It is the people who have almost no voice in their society that God chooses to use. The Christmas story is almost almost doesn't make sense. And yet it is captivating and beautiful and transformative. The light comes and brings the new incarnation, the Messiah, the Savior of the nations, not from a place of highness and big-chestedness and power, but from a place of, of lowness and lowliness. The light comes from amongst us. So we're now going to hear from uh, Leah, and she's going to read Luke 1, Luke 1, 39 to 56. Some of you will know this. Uh, Mary uh, runs away and finds herself at Elizabeth's house. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When, Mary heard, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that, that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. We have a child bride, a young girl of maybe 14, engaged to be married, finding herself with a child, but not through her future husband, but through God. Now, just to be clear here, this seems unorthodox for Mary. It seems unorthodox for us to read it, but this had this had real world consequences for Mary. This was this was a problem for her. She could be shamed. She could be uh, thrown into poverty. She could be separated from her family. She could be divorced or even stoned. While she this news comes as a joy, she is still a child. She's vulnerable and and tender. And not to read too much into the family dynamics here, but 
it's interesting that upon hearing the news of pregnancy, this unwed, soon-to-be mother hurries away to her relative's house. And so likewise, we have Elizabeth, who is, is just as important in this story. Her and her husband, Zechariah, uh, they have never conceived a child. And in their own words, they see themselves as old and life has passed them by. And in their older age, they are looking at poverty with no children to support them. And in their time, they are seen as, as barren. They are seen as unfavored by God. This is really important to see this in the story. They are not seen as blessed. And while respected in the community, as I'm sure they were, they, they were indeed shamed. And yet God comes to these old people whose life has passed by and he tells them of new life. It is miraculous, new life that he's forming in Elizabeth. And this, this will be no ordinary child. This child will announce the Messiah. He will call the people to action. He will make ready the path for the Messiah to come. And so please, please let us hear this fully and deeply. God begins the incarnation with an old couple who were shamed from their society and felt like their time had come and gone. God begins there. The light begins in that story. It is not in a big place of wealth. It is not with people who have everything together. It is not in high thrones or high powers or might. It is not in religious authority. It is through people whose society has forgotten about. But God never forgets the faithfulness of his people. If I could quote Alexander Shire here, the deepest dark is not the place where grace goes to die. It is the deepest dark. The, the, the deepest dark is the place where grace goes to be reborn. In other words, when we are in our darkest place, where we have given up hope or cannot see a way forward, this is exactly the place where God moves. From a place of darkness and shame, God brings and redeems and creates newness. And so Elizabeth's barrenness and Mary's youth are the vessels by which the Messiah comes, bringing nourishment and abundance and divine love. And so Mary and Elizabeth respond in a countercultural way by being redeemed in God's story. God is not just rewriting humanity's story, but corporate Israel's too. There is a big narrative going on here. Uh, my brother lives in Boston. Uh, in the US, and uh, about six years ago, we uh, decided, uh, I don't know whether this was based on insanity or comfort or what, but we decided to have a winter Christmas over there. Um, has anybody ever done a Northern Hemisphere Christmas before? Yeah? Yeah? It's very different. It's very, very different. Um, so this, this is us. Um, please note how rugged up we are. Um, I'm sure it's about minus 10 or something there. Um, please note, I mean, it's not just us. Look at the environment around us. The, the trees are bare. There is snow. It, yes, there's lights, but, you know, that's, it, it feels cold, doesn't it? Is anyone getting chilly looking at that? Um, beautiful experience. Beautiful experience. This is a house that we stayed in 
Um, this is now in North uh, in New Hampshire, so we're quite near the Canadian border. Um, this is this is beginning of January, um, and I don't know whether you can see that, but um, there's a lot of snow there, isn't there? <laughs> there's a lot of snow. Um, you can sort of see the the path that we we've dug out. Um, at one point there, I believe it got down to minus thirty when we were there. That is extremely cold. <laughs> it's very, very cold. But, you know, your environment shapes your experience, doesn't it? It really does. And so this is, um, this is not too far away. This is just around the corner from where we stayed. And the only words I can use to describe this is just pure silence. Silence like no other. It's almost a scene from Narnia. You know, I'm almost expecting Mr. Tumnus to walk around from amongst the trees. Um, but it is so beautiful in its stillness. And for the first 400, 500 years, the Christmas story was not an event on our calendar. Uh, we had Easter, and that was, that was really it. And when the early missionaries went beyond the Mediterranean world and over the Alps, they, um, and they spread out to Western Europe, um, they, they met with the Celtic people who were in Western Europe. And their way of life was based around, um, it was very different. It was based around the, the winter and the summer solstice. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was very, very different. And they had this strong belief in this, this partnering nature of people and land and universe. It was all, there was a sense of connection there. It wasn't a disconnection. And when winter would come and the ground, I imagine this, the ground became cold and dark. Um, and the sun uh, would begin to drop. Everything became still. There was a darkness and a rest, but it was not an, a, an easy rest because the sun was getting lower each day. And three nights after the winter solstice, they would have this banquet, and the whole town would participate in this. And this would be about welcoming and praying for the sun to rise again because this was the date sun once more would change this was the midwinter and so early missionaries saw this and they said ah i know what this means i know what this means you're praying for the the s-u-n to rise and we are talking about the s-o-n to rise we are talking about um the sun being rebirthed again as their language was and so from this, this mystical understanding of the creation around them comes the Christmas message from amongst them. And early in the year, from the depths of the winter and stillness and darkness, comes new life. From a place of darkness where there is no sun, but the sun comes forward. There is newness. There is light. And so when the Gregorian calendar, which is the calendar that we now have, was put together, they did something interesting with this. Um, Christmas Day was three days after the winter solstice. And so on Christmas Day, in the depths of the winter, Christmas Day was the first day the sun would start to rise again. The very first day. The day that represented the rising of God's sun was the rising of the sun. There was darkness, and on the third day, the sun would rise again. Um, again, we are renewed. Again, our world springs from expectations into life. And so the concept of Christmas came about as a celebration from darkness into lightness. 
And so at the birth of Jesus, this redeeming story becomes a crucial point. Firstly, Mary and Joseph have nowhere to give birth but a stable. Now, this is interesting because they had arrived in Joseph's hometown because of the census, as I'm sure we all know well. So why is it that there are no relatives for them to stay in? Moving aside the, the, not just the religious laws around cleanliness and, and who's allowed to be around um, during childbirth, as well as the practicalities of childbirth itself, um, this is a really difficult place. This is, this is their reality. There, there is a sense of darkness here. There is a sense of isolation here. And there were no midwives to assist in the birth of, of Jesus. Quite simply, it was beyond anything resembling a messianic birth. And yet at this birth, there is no record of family being present. And it is not lost on me that families show their loyalties by their feet. And this could say more than is written, perhaps. But for God, he was not done with this story. He was not finished with this story. And so he invites uh, shepherds um, uh, to, to, to come in and be part of this story. He invites them in from the fields to celebrate this birth. And this is very symbolic. Because shepherds in their time, they were some of the, the, the lowliest in society. They were the ones who did the job that no one else wanted to do uh, because they were forced to do it. They could not participate in everyday life. There was no, there was no temple participation. There was, these, these guys were rough creatures um, living out their sentence of social exile. Uh, they were not invited into this place. But the angels, they, they come and they welcome them and they sing gloria, gloria in the heavens. And so these men are invited into this newness that has begun. Again, the incarnation is, it is with us. It is amongst us. The universe is, is changing. This is, this is powerful and beautiful and dangerous all at once. And so we have the shepherds. And then the other people that are invited in were these mysterious stargazing universe-watching people called the Magi from the East. And they traveled huge distances. They bring gifts suited for royalty. And this is symbolic. This is very symbolic. Note the lack of any religious figures. For this was not what they were looking for. This was not the Messiah they were looking for. Rather, it is men from another nation and another religion. And shepherds, not family, who were, who were welcomed in from the outcasts of society. And so the sun is rising and something has shifted in the universe. And for those who are actually paying attention, they get this. They get what is happening. The light comes and brings the new incarnation, the Messiah, the Savior of all, of all nations. Not from a place of highness, but from a place of lowness. The light comes from amongst us and it begins with the gentle and the lowly. So what I want to do, I want to finish today um, with this beautiful image. It's, it's painted by Henry Tanner, and I'm sure some of us know it, have seen it. It is titled, The Annunciation, and it is the moment when Gabriel comes to Mary and announces what is to come. And I have sat with this image many times at Christmas, and to me, um, 
it, it shows a deep innocence and vulnerability. Um, it is earthy in its colours and tones. There is extraordinary detail in the way that Mary is positioned, but also like there's a childlike posture within her that can't really understand what's happening. Even the carpet, I don't know whether you can see this, the carpet has been pulled as if she's just woken up suddenly. That's a beautiful image. It's, yeah. And so as we move into a time of reflection, I encourage you simply to sit with this image. Sit with this. And not with any other agenda other than simply just to, to ask God a couple of questions. God, what do you want me to see? What do I need to see in this picture? And what must I see in Advent that I have not seen before? We talk about expectation. We talk about the, the differences between what the prophets lined up and what happened. What the people wanted to see by their circumstance, but what actually happened. It is a beautiful story and we must never forget where it begins. So I'm just going to read from Luke 1 again and then we're going to have a couple of minutes and we're going to sit with this. So Luke 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was God, and the Word was, was God. He was the God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was the true light. That that gives light to everyone coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet to all who have received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God's. And so the word became flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. Amen.